Hi, I'm Edwards Three, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. It's August. It's that time again, and it's kind of scary. I have to be honest. My my family, we were just watching some great soccer with Messi, who's coming and playing in the United States, and there it was. There was an ad at halftime. I couldn't believe it. It was an ad for those school supplies. It's time to get ready for school season again. So for those of us that are parents and we have little kids at school and we got to go on that big treasure hunt to go find everything and the exact kind of pencil and notebook that the teacher wants, and um, whether it's college kids getting ready to go off, they've got to get their textbooks and registration and planning for moving in and all, and, um, and parents helping them in that process. August is always a stressful time in the Sri family. I know as we're ramping up to get our little kids to school, high school launching, and and then our college kids launched as well. But more important than getting your notebook and getting your pencil uh, and getting all the registration worked out, more important than that is preparing your soul for what you're going to encounter, especially for those young adults that are going off to college and those that may be launching from college and entering their young adult years. Uh, there are many challenges that young people face today that we didn't face when we were growing up. When we, we were launching into college and emerging into adulthood and our professional careers, so many more challenges today. Uh, but thankfully, there's some great help out there from the church, the wisdom of the saints, timeless principles, and timely new books that are out there. And we have some great guests that are going to join us for this special edition of All Things Catholic. Uh, you may have heard of them. They are known as the Swaffords. Uh, Sarah and Andy Swafford are great speakers. They have each written books in their own their own ways and have gone around the country and uh, people know them overseas. It's amazing. I have been blessed to get to know Sarah and Andy on a personal level. They were students of mine many years ago at Benedictine College. They've babysat my kids. My kids were in, in their wedding, and then their kids were in my daughter's wedding recently. So there, there's there's lots of <laughs> bonds that are between the Swedes and the Swaffords. And I am so excited to have Sarah and Andy join us on the All Things Catholic podcast. So welcome, Sarah and Andy. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. That was a great you. intro. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so great. We were just sharing how great it is to get to be on a podcast of someone who's a godparent to our oldest son. People will ask us if we know the Shrees, and I'm like, yeah, we know them. They're the godparents of our oldest child, if that tells you how much we love them. So uh, we wouldn't be here without the Shrees, and uh, we're so grateful to get to be with you today. Well, I am just thrilled that you have this new book out with Ascension Press. It's called Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life and Your Relationships. Now, uh, I know the backstory to this book here because uh, I remember way back, when, when was it that you went to Florence for the Italy program for Benedictine? Yes, yeah, spring of 2018. 2018. Because I remember that that summer you came out to, to Denver and we went to, I think we went to McDonald's or something, <laughs> so, something really, really elaborate, you know, with our kids. And, yeah. and you were sharing just uh, how how deeply moving that was for you to get a deeper insight into the challenges college students are facing today. Um, we knew that there are many challenges out there, but there was a there was a, a deeper awareness that you all experienced from that time 
that just because someone may be Catholic, some just because they may love Jesus and love the Bible and go to daily mass and maybe pray the rosary, doesn't mean they're really walking deeply with Jesus. And there's many forces in the culture that could be pulling them away or, or keeping them from taking that next step in heroic generosity and virtue. So I'd love to start there. Just tell me about, you know, you've, you've been teaching Andy at Benedictine College for many years. And Sarah, you've been involved at the college doing ministry and recruiting. And, you know, so you've all been, you know, just at the heart of so much of what, the good things that are happening at Benedictine for so many years. What changed when you went on this Florence program and you got to live with these students day in and day out? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we have great students at Benedictine College. Um, I think in many ways, if you look like now compared to 20 years ago, the church has gotten stronger in the U.S. in many ways in terms of youth groups and uh, teaching, catechesis, things like that. And so what's emerged that I didn't really fully see coming, uh, but it really kind of hit home in recent years is, you might have students who are catechized. They know the answers. They can they can fake you out in the classroom. They look like they got it all together. They might be praying rosaries and hitting daily mass a couple times a week, but yet there might still be problems with drunkenness or chastity, and and, and not just like a fall, but um, you know where it's not really seen it as a problem. Uh, it's not everybody, but but we we just we we, we saw some patterns and. In some ways, this book kind of came out of what is it? What does it mean, and what will it take for all of us, but especially people in that spot, to go all in with the Lord, uh, to really live with eternity in mind, uh, and to really know Jesus in a profound and daily way? And we also noticed that one of the things they told us when we were over there was they were like, "We learned so much from you, watching you parent your kids, watching you interact with each other." You know, they were like, "It was so fun to be up close." to a family, our kids were 12 to two, you know, so we really had like that inward look of just like, wow, I've never seen a couple, a happily married couple even. We had a couple people tell us, you know, like their parents told them they were getting divorced right before they left. And they were like, you Mm -hmm. gave us hope and love again and in marriage again. But one of the things that emerged from this was we couldn't believe it. How many of them were like, thank you for showing us how to interact with the opposite sex and how to be friends with the opposite sex. Cause they had, they had no concept for how to communicate with someone if you weren't just looking to date them or, you know, the women, you know, spending a lot of time with the women and the men and just having fun and being, just having good communication and good, you know, like just hanging out skills. And then this was all pre COVID. So we wrote this book, you know, we were seeing this before COVID and now, you know, we have young adults coming up to us like, can you teach me how to flirt again? I don't even remember how to talk to people. You know what I mean? So, um, so really kind of diving into one of the chapters in the book goes through like how to make friends again, how to, how to get rid of toxic friends in your life, you know, and all these kind of things that used to be easy are not easy anymore. And so that was a really eye opening thing for us as well. So what is it, uh, is this something that you see just at Benedictine? You know, you, you do a lot of work uh, uh, with college students around the country. You're often speaking at Newman Centers and all. And what are you seeing in terms of like, a, like I, I'm almost hearing you just, you didn't use these words, but like almost there's this outer shell of Catholicism. And it's, it's, it's sincere. There really is like, a, I do want God in my life. I do believe in Jesus. And I want to receive the Eucharist. I might even go to Eucharistic adoration. So there, it's not that it's insincere, but... They're not truly being faithful as a true disciple to Jesus. Uh, what, what are you seeing uh, out there on college campuses? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's all over the country, and I, yeah. I think it's it's um, you know I I think twenty twenty five years ago to darken the doorway of a daily mass like said something, and I think now <laughs> it's just 
it's a little cooler to be Catholic in certain circles. And I think the challenge, sort of like a post-Constantinian situation, right? So, okay, the persecutions maybe have died down, at least in some places. They're, they certainly You're talking about the early places. church, but the early church. Yeah, was, but like, okay, so now we got the cathedrals. <laughs> right. Um, so who's our new St. Benedict? Who's going to light the fire with the same zeal that built this in the first place now that it might... There might be more numbers. There might be more, you know, um, maybe, again, there's still opposition, but in some places, less opposition where it's a little bit more comfortable to be a Catholic. How do you go all in there? I think we see it both ways. I mean, what you're getting at, you know, we have a lot of a lot of teens and young adults that have been exposed to more, you know, like Swaff and I, when we walked into your classroom, I was like, what is this? I have never heard, you know, the, I mean, like I was blown away. We were just like, what? And you're starting to learn about, you know, adoration and NFP and all these things. And you just like, it was like talking a foreign language. Whereas a lot of the students now they've been exposed to more. And so there's more for them to be like, yeah, I can get behind that. And there's also things, you know, times where they're like, I don't even know my faith, you know? So I would say I see both. We see this kind of like, what does it look like to go all in with the Lord? And then we also see at a lot of Newman centers, like the friend that they brought, who is literally like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And this is kind of exciting and cool, but I also, but please don't ask me about my relationship with my girlfriend and don't ask me about what I did last weekend, but I'm interested. I, you know, I'm, I'm lacking in my life and I want what you're talking about, but that's going to cost me a lot. And so I think about a lot of your parents that are listening and, you know, a lot of people who have young adults, you know, it's like, man, maybe they were really involved and they went to college and completely fell off, you know, fell off the horse. Or maybe they kind of like tell you what you want them. They, they sometimes say what you want them to say and do what they want you to do. But you know that there's other conflicts in their life that, you know, the way they're living isn't exactly matching up with what they're saying. And then you have people who are authentically like, no, I want this. I just don't know where to start. And mm -hmm. so we really were, we were trying to write this book for all of those people in mind because hey, guess what? All those people are friends in college and in young adult. And they're all having these conversations of like, man, I don't really know what this looks like. And I don't know if I'm like, it's going to cost me something. And I don't know if I'm okay with that. And that's something I think we've all walked through. But we really wanted to accompany people in that question of, hey, what does it look like to go all in? Because a lot of people flirt with Jesus, but a lot of them have a hard time taking that step towards him and changing their lives. And what happened in Florence is we saw those students really go all in. And the book is kind of a way of kind of carrying that forth in other places. Let's talk about that. What does it look like to go all in? And again, we're with Andrew and Sarah Swafford. We're talking about their new book, Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life and Relationships. A great book for high school kids, young adults, college students, uh, and the many challenges they're facing in really walking closely with Jesus and not living a double life. That's another thing I kind of hear you saying is that, you know, I, I love Jesus. I'm in Bible study and I wear a miraculous medal and pray the rosary and I'm doing all these other things on the weekend. Uh, and, and, and it's not really in conformity with Christ. So let, let's talk about some of those things. What are, what, what would be a, a one big area where they're, they're not getting all in with Jesus? Yeah. It, it depends on who you're talking to, but um, you know, I, I mentioned chastity and, and drunkenness uh, as examples, and I think in some cases they haven't really, they haven't really been taught, or it hasn't been like maybe emphasized, or maybe they just didn't hear it. But uh, I, you know, sometimes you have again the facade, the shell, and, and someone might even be reading like Augustine and Aquinas, and, and they can really talk a big game um but they might have a sense of okay as long as we're not having sex we're okay it's like 
wait a second, <laughs> that, that's not what chastity is all about. Or, you know, as long as I don't black out, I'm not really drunk. It's like, wait a second, where did you, where did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, um, and, and our culture is so strong and there's a desire to fit in. Everybody wants to be validated. And, and it's, it's a temptation to kind of want to walk both sides. I'll do the Catholic thing, uh, but I'll do just enough of the other stuff so that I'm not weird, so that I'm normal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think when I've seen evangelization really take off, the combination of being normal but different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the normal builds the bridge, but the difference is what, if you don't have the difference, like there's something different about that person. I want what they have. They're different. If the difference isn't there, the needle doesn't move. And I think what we've seen in many cases uh, across the country is there's a desire to be kind of normal, 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 and a fear of being radically different. Amen. Mm. Yeah, Let's, for sure. Expound, can we expound on this a little bit? Just I want to I think a lot of Catholics maybe aren't even clear when you were talking about, well, you know, as long as I don't have sex, it's okay. Yeah. Or as long as I don't black out, like what would be some principles? And, and by the way, I'm going to give a little parent alert here. Some of you parents that may be having kids in the car, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, we're going to get into some adult sensitive information here. So uh, this is a good time to press pause and listen when you are going for a walk by yourself. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, let's pick it up here. So like on, on the level of chastity, uh, what do you mean? Like, I thought, you, you know, as long as you just don't have premarital sex, it's okay. Like, you're saying that you can't do other other things, you know? Where's the line? Like, what, what, what would you say to a young person? What would you say to a parent that's wanting to teach their kids or a college student when they ask you? Because many of them, I, I've heard this too, by the way, you know, my, my work in focus, we hear this a lot with many young adults that they, they just think, well, as long as I didn't have sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I, I I love that we have four hours to unpack all this, Dr. Shree. This is great. <laughs> well, I mean, when I teach this, I, you know, I start with uh, right there in JP2, that chastity liberates love from use. So it, it makes my love not simply using, but actually loving. And it frees me to love the other for who they are. And when you think about those other things that are short of the sexual act, um, it really just amounts to mutual masturbation. I, I know that word is crass, but that, that's what's happening, right? So, and you're privileging in that moment the experience you're having with that person, how you feel emotionally or physically, you're privileging that above their objective good. So really it becomes an act of use. And uh, if you want a principle, it's this, it's anything aimed at the arousal of the other is reserved for marriage. And we always love when we when we talk to young adults and we use that line because like that really was what you know when we were talking about it, it was like man anything aimed at the arousal of another is reserved for marriage because if you're trying to rev someone's engine only to turn it off you know then what are you really doing there you know what are you really saying with your body and this is all tob but but yeah. a lot of young adults come to us like where's the line where's the line what's you know what's okay what's not and when we give them that line we're like this is radical we know we know this is radical mm-hmm. but if you really don't want to flirt with the line then that's the question you have to be asking and you know and then all of a sudden you know we always say you don't fall in the moment you fall to the 10 decisions you made before you got to the fall yeah. my favorite father mike thing he's like you know he was counseling someone and they're like yeah we always you know there's this dirt road and we always you know turn left and we go down that dirt road and we just keep falling and he's like have you thought about you know taking the left blinker like have you (laughs) thought about turning left you know and I just I laugh because it's like how many times in our life do we just make decisions that it's like I know where this is gonna go and so really talking to young adults you know whether it's chastity in their own life or chastity with a significant other or you know all these like habits and patterns that you've gotten into you know really looking at that and saying like is this am I free to love when I have all of these you know habits 
And so we just, we, we push those buttons. And again, a lot of the young adults look at us and go, I have never thought about it like that. Like I have never been told yeah. that. And, you know, Andy and I are, we don't have much of a filter and life's too short to, to you know, we, we know that this isn't popular. We joke that these things we're saying are not sexy. Like we, that's our joke. Cause it's like, we know that no one wants to hear this cause they want to just be left alone and not have to like change and not have to change their relationship and not have to have that hard conversation with their significant other or these parents. You know, so many parents are like, oh, I don't want to talk about this with my kids. And I'm like, yeah, but we're on the other side of it where we hear the young adult say, I'm 21 years old and my parents have never talked to me about sex. They come to us. They come to the Swaffords for the wedding night talk. They come to the Swaffords for the like, hey, is this wrong talk? You know, we and we're able to be real with them and we feel honored that they trust us to talk to them. But it's like, man, it's just easier to, you know, so many of these young adults are like, I wish my parents would have told me. Like, I wish my parents would have talked to me because I, you know, I got into so much stuff like curiosity or just, you know, things like that. And they were scared to talk to me, but I wish they would have. And so we carry that message to the parents of the young adults and saying like, hey, it's okay if it's the most awkward thing that's ever happened. You know, it's not going to be one magical talk. It's going to be a thousand little talks over their whole life. So you don't have to get it perfect because you're going to keep bringing it up. Um, And so it just, it gives them like kind of that, breathe in, breathe out moment of like, okay, this is going to be all right. And um, so that's where this is all coming from. It's not, we're not here to like ruin anyone's life or kill your joy or take away your fun or make it awkward. We're here because like there's freedom in having these conversations. Yeah. I often tell parents that if if you don't have the conversation with them, just know a lot of other people, Taylor Swift is. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. They're probably not going to find the Swafford's first, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so, okay, so let's summarize here. I, I think, you know, and it's great that you, I'm so thankful. I remember when you came back and you shared the stories and what you were sharing with the students of Benedict and so thankful because it's a gift for them. It, because when you actually live true chastity, it, you're, you're blessed in a real friendship. You're honoring each other. Going back to the points you were making, Andy, is that, you know, if you're just trying to stimulate the other person just for arousal, but there's no real lifelong commitment there and it's not going anywhere, that's actually, first of all, it's not good for you because you're putting yourself in near, you know, danger and, and you're putting this other person with a desire for something more that can't happen right now. But yet there are so many Catholics, again, that love, I mean, these are Catholics that sincerely have a faith life. They really do love God and Jesus but they haven't quite been taught or haven't made the connection in their sexual life and they're putting themselves in serious sin and if we and we and people may make mistakes in these areas and God is merciful and forgiving yes we just go to confession yes. tell him we're sorry get up and try again yep. that you know but if we're sincerely trying like i'm i'm going to try not to go down that one dirt road i'm going to try to go <laughs> a different road <laughs> right, you know, right, God, right. as long as we're really trying god will always be there and merciful and he will always forgive absolutely. us absolutely but we, but we don't want to go on kind of rationalizing, going, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, I didn't yeah. have, I just, we didn't have sex, so it's okay. No, no. Oral sex, all the things leading up to sex, those things are just, you know, that's that's out of bounds. <laughs> now, let's talk about, you talked about chastity, Andy. Could you tell me, and you wrote a wonderful article years ago. I think it was for Catholic Answers. Or, or not, I'm sorry, sobriety. Let's talk about sobriety. What's the big deal uh, with, I mean, it, it's college students just, that's what they do, right? They, they just get drunk and... You know, they, they live their life. It's fun. You know, as long as they don't get hurt and do anything really, really bad, you know, you know, what's wrong with the drunkenness culture on campus? What's wrong with a Christian college student, Christian, young adult, young professional going out and getting drunk? Yeah, I love I love Sarah's line, at least as a lead off. Drunkenness equals drama. Right. So, <laughs> so, so you look at these dorms and you, you look at all, you know, where you find drunkenness, you're going to have drama shortly around the corner. 
you know, you know, with drunkenness, I think is the easier one because it, it we have intellect and will, some of God's greatest gifts, and when we intentionally get drunk, uh, we're we're kind of spitting on those gifts. We're saying, I, I don't care about that, mm-hmm. and I just want to you know privilege this experience um, over that. Now it's it's one thing if you know maybe you have uh, accidentally one too many. That, that's one thing, but to intentionally go out and get drunk and to say. You know, Lord, I don't care about what you've given me. Uh, I don't want to live the fully human life. I want to live something lower than that. That's that's a grave sin. St. Paul in Galatians speaks of drunkenness as as a sin that can remove us from the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so St. Paul's not playing around with that. And I think we I think sometimes in different different um, contexts, Catholics can Sometimes I've seen you know where you toe the line on chastity, but drunkenness you are absolutely okay with, and I just think that's a very very big mistake. Uh, just culturally speaking, we don't we don't want to do that. It, the, you know, God made the earth, the creation. I mean, our Lord would have had a couple cups of wine at at, at the Last Supper. You know, Saint Paul talks about drinking wine for Timothy for his stomach. So there's nothing wrong with alcohol. It can really enhance a social experience, but when it becomes the main attraction. And it becomes let's let's lose our faculties. Uh, we're not living a fully human life there. We're living something less than that. How about you, Sarah? What do you what do you say to to young people when you know this question comes up? Like, oh, what's the big deal? Well, you know, I think it's always that. funny because when students come to our house, like we like we have like a little bar, you know? And I think they're always like, oh, the Swaffords have a bar. You know what I mean? Like, I think they don't know what to do with it. And it's like, no, guys, like, we believe in self-control. We believe in the fact that, like, my joke is always we believe in quality over quantity, right? Like, it's it's about having, like, a, you know, you can have a glass of wine with your friends. You can have a drink with your friends. Um, but knowing, like, that when enough is enough. And I think a lot of times what we have seen with drinking is it just kind of breeds the spirit of lukewarmness. Mm-hmm. And when I see a lot of young adults, you know, one of the things Swaff and I always talk about is like, there, there is a freedom with knowing like you're, you, again, good habits, you know, being in the, being in the place with your friends and having that. But when you start to notice that, you know, I've, I've counseled so many young adults where it's like, yeah, I started noticing that my friend, like a lot of my friend group, it was like, our entire conversation was about what we were drinking, where we were going, how we were going to get drunk. What the, if the whole thing centered around the party scene and I, and I asked them, I said, well, what would happen to those friendships if you took away drinking or if you took away the party scene? Like, what would happen to those friendships? And they just looked at me like, I don't want to think about that. Like, I don't want to, you know. And it was almost like that was what their relation, you know. And, and again, I have such a heart for, like, the frat boys and the sorority girls. Like, you know, I've been adopted into many sororities and fraternities and my work with Focus. And, you know, I love it. I love them. I have such a heart for them. But they start to see that, too. It's like, man, if I wasn't sleeping with this guy, would we have this relationship? If I wasn't partying with these people, would they still value me? Am I, you know, if I just told them, I'm, you know, I'm not going to party anymore. I'm not going to drink with you anymore. I'm, I'm done with getting drunk with you. Or if I just said, you know, like, hey, let's go do this instead. And they're like, what, you know, how deep are our friendships? And, and again, that, that idea of just like that lukewarmness. You know, and that's what we always say. We're not prudes. We're not here to kill your fun. And, you know, we have a really good time. Swaffords have a great time. And it's it's so cool for them to see, like, wow, the Swaffords are normal. And they, they're normal. They play fantasy football. They have a bar. You know, they're normal. But they're different. And they and the, the students know very quickly that Jesus Christ is the Lord and King of our lives. We are All we want to do is run to heaven and get as many people as we can with us. And we're going to have a ridiculously good time doing it. And that's what this book was about, was trying to show them, like, show everyone, you know, hey, we're accompanying each other on this journey, and it's going to be really fun. And we have to be there for each other. And those friendships and that community you're forming is only going to be as deep 
as those goals that you have. And if heaven's your goal, then that's a deep friendship. And anything that stands in the way of that, you know, we want we want to move that out of the way and bring truth into that. And so that's where, again, we hate, we, you know, there's so many times when we write in this book, we're like, oh man, they're going to hate us for saying this, you know, but it was like, we got to say it, you know, and, and we don't want anybody to hate us, but you know, it's just like, Hey, like, we're sorry, but this is just where it's at. And I think it's everyone that's read it has told us like, gosh, you guys were, thank you for being so real and being so honest. Like we talk about our chastity and our like relationship leading up to our marriage. Like we talked about how we made the decision not to kiss anymore. We, we, we gave up kissing for a year before we got married because we just were like, Hey, like this is obviously a trigger for us. So like, let's just sacrifice it. And we did. And it was phenomenal for our relationship. So we, we talk about like, we get really real in this book. And that is something for the parents and for the young adults to kind of say what, I mean, just another example of a couple and, you know, walking with you going, this is really hard, but it's worth it. Hmm. One last topic here, because it, the, the book is not just about how to avoid the many pitfalls you can fall into in young adult culture or college campus culture. It's also a more positive kind of roadmap to help us, you know, launch well, you know. So one of the most important things, and you've each written about this in different places, but you, you really put it front row and center here, is the importance of good friendships. Can you just say briefly a few words on how important that is uh, as you're, you're emerging into young adult life? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's in many ways, it's everything. And, and your friendships are as deep as the good that binds you. Uh, and if that's Jesus Christ, that's going to enhance virtuous friendship. The key to it is it's not running at each other, but it's about something. Uh, you, you're going toward a goal together and, and you really you're going to become like your friends. Uh, C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis has got a great line about faith. He says, neither this belief nor any other will remain alive unless it's fed. One of the most powerful ways we can feed our faith, our growth, you know, who we're trying to be, are the people we surround ourselves with and the people in our close group that we look up to. I want to be like that person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to change us over time in ways that we don't even realize. And so I, I, I think that's in many ways, the whole game is 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 right here. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, finding a core group of friends that want to run with you. Um, your life will never be the same. Yeah, and I think that in its terms of friendship, especially for the young adults in this generation right now and the adults in this generation, there there's a lot of fear and a lot of isolation. And um, I think that, you know, looking at even past these past couple of years, a lot of people kind of forgot human interaction, forgot how great it was to be together in the same spot, to be able to like, you know, feed off of that great conversation or just those that depth that is only, you know, that is really there in a special way when you're with good friends. And so we really just encourage anybody out there, if you're a young adult, if you're an adult, like my my parents even, like their generation, they're like, man, I haven't seen my friends in a while. You know what I mean? Like they're just kind of getting back together again and really running with people who can, you know, speak truth to your heart and that you're really going to be able to be real with. We say the three ingredients for a great friendship are availability, vulnerability, and accountability. Um, and we always say, shoot me now. We hate them all. Cause it's, it's, you know, that's a lot. And that's what, when I look at young adults, I'm like, if you want to watch your friendships grow, like, man, it's invest, you know, it's the power of the invite, invite people into your life, invite people into your circle and invest in each other. Like it's worth your time to do that at every age. Mm. Well, we are talking with Andrew and Sarah Swafford in their new book, Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life and Relationships. You can find the book at ascensionpress.com. That's ascensionpress.com. And you certainly have been blessed with many great friendships. I know many of when you all were college students and you're still friends to this day. 
today. Uh, what a blessing. And the Sri's yes. are blessed to count you among our friends as well. Um, Serenity, tell us where, where can they go to learn more just about your work, your ministry? Yeah, we have the Swaffords.com. We just made it a one-stop shop to find everything there. So yeah, and our email's on there if you want to get in touch, but everything is there. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Again, their book, Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life in Relationships by Andrew and Sarah Swafford at ascensionpress.com. You want to get this book for yourself, get your get this book. You're a young adult. You're going off to college. This is a great resource. You're a parent launching kids into high school life, adult life. Uh, another great resource to get a sense of the challenges young adults face today. Sarah Nanda, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having us. God bless you. Thanks yeah. for all you do. Yeah, thanks so much.